Welcome to the SCG Church Podcast. We'd love to have you join us for our weekend services in person in our West Auditorium. You can also tune into our service live online at scgchurch.org or live on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Thanks for listening. No liars, no backbiters on this train. Well, with the imagery of, uh, of, of taking a journey is, is really... I think it's really important to us to understand our, our Christian faith in that way. When Jesus said, follow me, he literally meant follow me. It wasn't like give mental assent to who I am or agree that I'm, I'm, I'm a good teacher. And then he, he said, follow me, like get up and move, move toward where I'll lead you and where the destination. And so today I want to talk about this because I think uh, that we, uh, in that same staff meeting, we began to talk about all the people that have kind of gotten off the train and in many cases, their lives have, have been derailed, in, in, if you allow me to use that phrase. And, and we just hate to see that happen to folks. And um, we don't think it's God's plan for them. And we want to kind of help, uh, yeah, people stay on the train, become who God wants them to be. And so I'm going to uh, take uh, my thoughts today from uh, Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. And uh, <clears throat> let me just read that for you. Uh, and there's three kind of interactions that happen here. And these people were, uh, they didn't even get on the train yet. They were trying to get on the train, but they already had hit stopping points. So uh, this may be informative for us. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, speaking, talking to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God harsh. Um, And then uh, still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. And those are all kind of like rebukes. And you're like, what what does that really mean? I want to take a look at those because it reminds me of some some things that we may struggle with. Even getting on board, much less staying on on this kind of journey with, with God. So the first one, who says, I'll follow you wherever you go. First of all, he says, I will follow you wherever you go, which is silly because he hadn't really, he hadn't really thought about it. He didn't know where Jesus was going. He didn't know. And that's Jesus' point. Jesus looked at him and went, oh, you're taking this a little too lightly. You, Jesus knows where he's going. He's going to a cross. He's going to a grave. This guy doesn't know where he's going. He said, you may not be, matter of fact, you may not be counting the cost here. And so there's a warning. There's a cost involved with becoming who God wants you to be, with have, having this relationship with Christ. I will. And he says, I will wherever. And he's like, Jesus like, no, you won't. You can't. You don't know. And so he gives him a little, little heads up there. Um, there's a passage in Luke 9, 23, where we get a little insight into this. And it says this. Uh, uh, then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. So here's what we find out is this train is not a luxury liner. I uh, took a trip with some uh, family in the church a few years ago and we went to Alaska. And uh, we took the train from Anchorage to Fairbanks. Anybody done that? So relaxing. I mean, it was just beautiful. It was just me and all the other old people. It was great. We just had this great time. 
And it was just relaxing. It was that's not the kind of train Christianity is. People think, well, I, you know, I've come to believe in Jesus. Life's going to be easy. It's going to be it's going to be smooth. It's going to be you know, smooth. <laughs> I got bad news for you. It's not going to be at all. It's not going to be like that. It's going to be more like a train I saw one time. I was in India, and they were going up this hill, and it was a little narrow-gauge rail car uh, train that, that was left over from colonial days when the English ruled there, and there were, it was just so many people. On the, I wouldn't, I would, you couldn't pay me to get on that little thing. It just looked so uncomfortable and so dangerous, but I think that's a little more like the Christian life sometimes. It's just you're just barely hanging on. You know, you're just barely get, hoping to make it around the next, the next bend. So he says three things in this passage in Luke uh, 29-23. Deny themselves. By the way, of the three, you wouldn't think this is the hardest, but it is. He says, deny themselves, uh, take up the cross, and follow me, right? The hardest one is actually deny yourself because you've got to come to grips with the fact that you can't really be in control. You don't know what's best. Yeah, Cody was telling me an illustration of this uh, after last night's uh, talk. He said, it's like my kids. I can tell them what to do, but they're always going to argue or trying to find a loophole or a different way to do it. As if I don't know how to do this the best way already. And we're like, we're like little kids. Okay, God, I, 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 that's your way to do it, but I've got a better way. Really? Do you? And so the first thing is deny yourself. Say, no, no, I, I don't know best. I'm not the best person to be in charge. I don't know the, the, the end from the beginning. I don't know. And so to deny self is the hardest thing for us. It is the, the hardest thing uh, when we go to get on board this, this journey with him and take up your cross, which, by the way, doesn't mean suffering. It means willingness to do whatever happens. Whatever it is, whatever you're expecting, sometimes it's difficult, sometimes it's painful, sometimes it's not, but it just means whatever, anything God asks me to do, I want to be willing to do that. And then follow me, which is always taking that next step in faith. So the train's not a luxury liner. Second thing you need to know is that the wrong, getting on the wrong train will get you to the wrong destination. If you get on the right side, a number of years ago, I was traveling with a friend of mine. We were in Europe and we had been skiing. And we were going from a ski place in Austria to, we thought, a, a ski place in, in Germany. And we just, uh, we arrived at the train station at the right time. And train showed up right on time, as you would expect in that part of the world. We got on the train and everything was great. Had all of our ski gear and everything and, and you know, threw it in the luggage thing and we were ready to go. And, and about 20 minutes later, uh, maybe even 10 minutes later, a, uh, the conductor comes by, takes our ticket and makes just the most awful face. Like, and we're like... It disappears. And so we just sit there for a couple more minutes. And then all of a sudden, we're in the middle of this, this field. There's mountains everywhere. We're in the middle of a little pasture in the valley. And the train comes to a screeching halt. He comes and literally grabs us, pushes us off the train, and throws our luggage behind us. And we're like... <laughs> and suddenly, from the other direction, a train comes to a screeching halt. And he points to it. And I went like this. No, I didn't. What had happened, I was so confused. What happened is his train going the wrong direction arrived at the time my train was supposed to, I got on the wrong, we got on the wrong train. He threw us, literally, mama threw me from the train. No, it wasn't mama, but it was a guy. But he was, he was not happy about it. He was not excited. I was glad we changed it because the other one looked like it was going to like the Russia or somewhere. I don't know where it was going, but I think that, I think that Sometimes if we just kind of go along with what is the next indicated thing, indicated by society or culture, whatever it is, we will end up on the wrong train. Everybody ends up somewhere. You've got to decide up front where you want to end up. Are you going to choose where you're going to end up? Are you going to let God choose? Are you going to let society, family, somebody else choose where you're going to end up? 
And so you, you got to be careful you're on the right train. Now, here's one of the things that I, I think we, probably one of the biggest challenges we have in the United States and, and, and in the West in general, is that we, we, <laughs> we like living on the gravy train. Have you ever heard that phrase before, gravy train? Yeah. The happiness train. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's in there somewhere, isn't it? No, it's not. It's in the Declaration of Independence. It's not in the Bible anywhere. But here's what happens. We come to believe, because that, that's kind of a part of our, our, our belief in our country, is that the pursuit of happiness is a worthy goal. You should spend your life pursuing happiness. You ask parents, uh, what do you hope for for your kids? I hope they're happy. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. A, they'll never get there. And B, there's a higher thing that they could be aspiring to. For my kids and my grandkids, I pray for them all the time. I pray that they will know God and that they will be used by God to bring his goodness, his love, his peace and joy into the world. Because happiness, is think about things that make you most happy. They're, e- they're either fleeting at best or they're a byproduct. See, happiness is not something you get to go after directly. You say, but a gallon of ice cream. Yeah, but it only lasts until a gallon is gone and then you got a tummy ache, Right? So you can't really go after lasting happiness directly. If you think about the things that really make you happy, like this week I spent time with, with my kids and my grandkids and we took a couple of days off and I was happy. And you know why I was happy? Because I've invested. I worked, okay, my wife worked hard to raise those kids. I tried not to get in the way. And now I get to enjoy them. The happiness I'm enjoying is a byproduct of the investment that was made by us and God and a whole bunch of other folks probably. And so in reality, we have this thought in America that we can go directly after happiness, but we can't. It is a byproduct. It is a byproduct most often uh, of investing in others. So let me read another story. It's found in Luke chapter 15. And uh, we call it the story of the, the prodigal son, but that's not really the story. The story is the unconditionally loving father. That's the surprising part. There's prodigal sons everywhere. Most of us are prodigal sons or daughter on some level. But let me read it for you. Because this young man in this parable thought he could go directly after happiness and that was a worthy pursuit for his life. Here's what it says. Jesus continued, there's a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. See, he was operating on the, the delusion that happiness was a worthy pursuit and that he could achieve it. Happiness is a byproduct. It is not a worthy goal for life. I mean, I like happy better than I, I like unhappy, but it is not the point of life. The point of life is not for me to be happy. The truth is I can have a fairly unhappy life and benefit the world greatly and be rewarded forever in his kingdom. It is not necessary to be happy. Um, so, by the way, neither is it being accepted or being popular or having family approval or any of those things. Those are not worthy pursuits for your life. Here is how you find the, 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 the thing most worthy for you to pursue. Who made me? Why did he make me? Who made me? Why did he make me? If you can answer that, you will find the key to having a kind of life that you will not only enjoy, be fulfilling, be satisfying, figure that out. And by the way, a little hint is find out what God, what makes God happy and do the same. Here's what it says in Luke 10. 
I tell that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. In other words, it brings joy to heaven when someone recognizes their need for God, when someone reconciles with God. So get on board, but know there's going to be a cost. The second one is get on board and don't delay. Um, so the second guy comes up and says, follow me. Jesus said to, to him, follow me. The guy says, let me go uh, and bury my father. And then Jesus says just this harsh thing to him. He says, um, let the dead bury their own dead. Said, what? <laughs> what? What is that? And then he goes on and he says, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So here's the deal. This guy said, oh, I'm going to follow. Just as soon as I take care of this. It's the but first. There's a couple of them in here. But first. Oh, yeah, I'm going to do that. But first. But first, I'm going to sow my wild oats as a teenager. By the way, those turn into weeds for the rest of your life. Just a little warning there. But first, I'm going to make all the money. Then I'm going to do what God wants me to do. But first, I'm going to get my, my, my mate lined up, my you know, romance. I'm going to get that, and then I'm going to invite God in. The but first always gets you in trouble. And here, here's, so, so the, the expected thing was that he would stick around, customarily, family culture would teach him, stick around, bury your father, and then you'd be, but what Jesus, Jesus is not saying mistreat your parents. The Bible is very clear on how we're to treat our parents and our family, okay? That's not the point. The point is this. When he says, he says, let the dead bury their own dead. What he's saying is this, you have, there's something in you, so, so this guy, there's something in this guy who's made him some inkling of spiritual awakening that made him want to say to Jesus, I want to follow you. So there was some work of a uh, uh, thought process, uh, uh, God's work in his life that caused him to say, I want to follow you. And what Jesus is saying is don't deny that, don't run away from that and get caught up in, in mundane, let the spiritually dead bury the physically dead. You do what I'm calling you to. And what was it? It was preach the kingdom of God. Proclaim the kingdom of God. In other words, God was calling him out from the, everybody else's expectations of him into something that was so much more powerful, so much more meaningful, so much more significant. Let those people who are not having that inkling, that awareness, that awakening in them, let them deal with the mundane stuff that everybody else does. But because I, something has happened in you that you have had this little awakening spiritually, a little, little spark, follow that. And here's what it is. It's calling. It's a calling. You see, what is more powerful than happiness is Calling. What we'll get through tougher times is not the pursuit of happiness, but the sense of calling in your life. So what do you mean? If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. If you're a parent, you, there, that is a calling. To be a parent is a calling to raise that child or those children, and you will, you will go through hell or high water for them. Not because of the pursuit of happiness, but because you have a calling Something is more important than yourself. That's why you get up and change those dirty diapers in the middle of the night. You know, those 2 a.m. feedings, all that stuff. You don't necessarily enjoy it. It doesn't make you happy, but it's okay because it's more important than happiness. It is calling. And so maybe what Jesus was saying to this guy is, I have a calling for you, and it's not hanging around doing what everybody else is doing. It's something specific and something unique. Proclaim the kingdom of God. I think there's some important insights there for us. 
So if the first one, the first guy was, it was about comfort, Jesus said, no, no, you're about comfort and you can't do this. This one's about, I don't know, convenience or expectations, doing what was expected of him. I don't know. But Jesus is trying to call him to something more. Uh, and then he, and he, in, in this section, when he talks about let the dead bury the dead, he kind of, he says, this is an awakening, this is a calling, this is a possibility. Now, one of the things that I have been praying for uh, pretty earnestly, and, and I think most of our staff has, is spiritual awakening. If we look at the world we live in, and we look at our own country, look at the divides in our own country, we look at the silliness being uh, espoused as wisdom uh, on every side, uh, we need something beyond just words. The kingdom of God is more than just words. It is about the power of God at work. And what we need in our country, and I'm convinced we need in our communities and in our church, we need a spiritual awakening. So whenever this little spark that was that this guy had where he wanted to follow Jesus, there was some little spark there. Whatever that spark is for it to catch fire, he needed to remove himself from what everybody else was doing, what everybody else was preoccupied with, what the expectations were. One of the things I'm praying for is we will wake up and realize that the silliness that we're involved in, in, in politics and in economics, all that kind of stuff, that kind of stuff, is not, it, it is not the answer to what needs to happen. This little spark, this little thought that maybe I should invite God in, and maybe God has a better idea on this deal, on my life, on our country, on whether, maybe if that could just catch on. That little spark could just catch on with me and a few other people. Maybe we could have a spiritual awakening. And that is the only hope, I believe, for our country, maybe even for the West in general, certainly for the whole world. So as I pray about that, I was, I was thinking about, so this, this weird thought came to me. We need more people doing more proclaiming of, of, of the kingdom of God. We need more people doing exactly what Jesus instructed this guy to do. We need more people doing that. And yet, I won't make you raise your hand, but I bet there are people in this room who have been a Christian for a long time and have never once shared your faith with anyone. Right? And there are a lot more in this room who may have shared their faith once or twice, but it's not a normal, consistent part of the deal. To be honest with you, if you really step back and look at your, you're not your carbon, your spiritual footprint, there's not much happening there. You're not influencing too many people. But if happiness is not the goal, but this idea of having a calling, making an impact, is where you find your significance, your fulfillment, why are we standing here with no spiritual footprint? See, it's not not a condemnation thing I'm trying to do here. I'm saying this life is a lot more fun than this life. This life is a roller coaster. I get happy for a few hours and then I'm not happy. And then the circumstances change and I'm just all over and I never do arrive at the destination of happiness. Over here, everything I do, God can use it. If I submit it to him and I'm being obedient to every, everything I do has a possibility. Just saying hi to someone in a friendly way. I've seen that change a life before, by the way. This whole thing is an incredible adventure on this journey with him. So why are we here, stuck, quiet? We're missing the point. God has a calling. 
So if I haven't offended anybody yet, here we go. No, no, I, I don't mean this in an offensive way. I'm not, I'm not mad at anybody. I, I just am confused. And, and we all fall into it. We fall into this, if I could just be happier, if I could just be comfortable. If I, do you want to be comfortable or you want to be who God called you to be? You don't get to do both. So I was thinking about this. <clears throat> this may be a little harsh and may not connect, but <laughs> I, when I was young, um, I finally decided to give my life to Jesus for real. And, and I knew what I was supposed to do. It was this, uh, being a pastor. And I shared it with a young lady I knew. And I remember her saying to me, wow, that's, I'm so disappointed. You could do something really important with your life, you know. And I remember thinking, and I really cared for this young lady. And, and she was just being honest with me. And I was thinking, helping people get to heaven. No, I don't think I could do anything more important than that. I mean, last week when people raised their hands at the end, there are people going to heaven because last week happened that weren't going to heaven the week before. I, I feel that strongly about it. I, 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 it's amazing. When Connie and I picked up and moved to California to start this, do this little church down at the beach and, and, and our families were going to be halfway across the country, I tell people about it now and they say, you are crazy. I can't believe you moved away from family. Uh, you know what? In my family and in my wife's family, they never blinked. All I had to say was, we feel like God's calling us. And they went, okay, we're behind you. Connie's mom said, we'll send food. There was never, are you sure? There was no, really, are you crazy? I, there was none of that. There was, both of our families were like, yeah, okay, that makes perfect sense. Let's go. You do it. We'll support you. We'll be leaving. You. We're going to pray for you. Connie's little grandma out on the farm, sit on the stump in the middle of the pasture every day and pray for us. Every day as we started down in Seal Beach. But there was nobody questioning that because that's what you do when you're following a calling. So let me ask you this question. If your parents are of children, what if they came to you 19, 20 years old and say, I think I'm going to go into ministry. I'm going to be a pastor. Most of you would be appalled. Well, you can't make any money. <laughs> That's right. Because the idea is to make money so you can be happy. But what if the idea is to take people to heaven with you and be fulfilled and joyful and at peace because you know you're using your life right? What if that's the point? How about now your kid wants to be a pastor? How do you feel about that? See, because we, we, we mouth the words, I believe in Jesus. Your kid wants to be a pastor. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Those guys. <laughs> what? Well, I can never share with people on the job because, well, you know, because they might not like me. And I like being like because it makes me happy. Well, what about being helpful? What about changing somebody's eternity? What about a calling in life? As long as we're pursuing happiness, life's going to suck. It just is. I'm just telling you. You start living out a calling, you've got some potential there. That's a journey. You, you, you're going to have You're going to have a ride. You're going to see some things happen. You're going to see some amazing things happen. Your faith is going to grow. Your character is going to grow. You're going to make an impact in the world. Don't get off on the happiness. Stop. Stay on board. Start proclaiming the kingdom of God. See what happens. It's not just for your benefit. This world needs you and needs me to do exactly what God's called us to do. Otherwise, it is not kind of hopeless. It is completely hopeless. I truly believe that. I feel better. I don't know if you do, but I feel better. So, um, <laughs> In verse 61, still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first go back. Uh, first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. 
Uh, it sounds very much like the previous one, but this one isn't even as as important as burying my father. It's I just want to you know I just got some people. I want some people. I got to say goodbye. I got to explain. I got to I got to make sure everybody likes me. I got to I got to. Here's what Jesus says, and I love this. Jesus replied, no one puts a hand to the plow and looks back. It's fit for the service in the kingdom of God. I remember this from driver's ed. Do you remember this? When you look back, what happens? Right? So then you correct it. Either way, you're all over the road. And I see some Christians, they're just, wah, 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 they're just all over the road. Quit looking back. Here's where you're supposed to look. Here's the picture. One hand on the plow, one hand on the reins, eye on the row, and we're going. I'm not going to second guess this thing. I'm not going to look behind me. And you know what? The only thing that happens when I look behind me is I feel sad for what an idiot I've been. And I've been forgiven for that, so I'm not looking back. All right, God, where are we going today? Where are we going? What are you going to do today? Where are you going to take me today? Let's do this thing. Let's get there. Let's make this happen. I think that one of the things that we, we, I had a friend, by the way, I was in, uh, I had two summers in college as I worked uh, out, uh, out in the country in a, a retreat center, and a buddy of mine was driving a tractor and, and mowing lawn, and, uh, and he lost the contact, and he searched around for it and drove it right into the pond. New contacts would have been cheaper than fixing that tractor. Believe me, I know some people are driving their life right off the edge. Because not keeping an eye on Jesus. Remember what happened to Peter? We took his eyes off Jesus. Yeah. Do we not learn that story is in Scripture for a reason? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Even when the even when the wind is blowing and the waves are high, or, or life is hard, or you don't see what the next thing is going to be, you don't know how this is going to work out. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He's got this. Just stay on board. Keep on keeping on. Keep becoming who He's called you to be. So. <clears throat> There's this passage in Luke 9, 51. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely <clears throat> set out for Jerusalem. I think in the King James, if I remember right, that phrase is, he set his face to Jerusalem. He knew what was awaiting him there, but that was his mission. That was his calling. He set his face and he headed for Jerusalem. Now you and I need to set our face. We're not headed for the cross. That's already been done for us. We're not headed for something. We're headed for home. We're more like the prodigal son. We're headed for home for a reward we don't deserve. For a celebration we don't deserve. That's where we're headed. Set our face to that and keep going forward. Let me compare these three instances to another one. It's found in Luke 5, 27. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi had a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. Levi, tax collector, betrayer of his own people, cheat, crook, not a good guy. But something was sparked in him. Some awakening happened and he walked away from all of it so that he could follow Jesus. He saw a new possibility, a new future, a new vision. And it wasn't about him. And it wasn't about acquiring money, which he thought would make him happy. It wasn't about that anymore. It was about something bigger. And not only was it going to change him, he wanted to change all of his friends, all of his sinner buddies. He invited them all to a party with a purpose. And they weren't looking at him and telling him what a great party it was. They were looking right past him at Jesus trying to learn what, what sparked in Levi this change. What could bring about a change? And that is the point of our life is that when God sparks a change in us, others are to look at us and all we get to do is go, no, 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 it's him. Some of us can't stand the thought of throwing a party and us not being the center of attention. 
And yet Jesus was the center of attention. I end with this. I was thinking this week about, and it applies to several people actually that I've prayed for recently. And they, they're kind of doing this stuff. And to me, it looks like they're probably going to take a stop somewhere along the way. And I said to myself, why can't they just be happy with who they are, where they are, and where they're going? Why can't they just be okay with that? And by the way, in, in several of these cases, there's family origin issues and, and some abuse and different things in some of the cases. But your past doesn't have to determine your future. And why can't they just be okay with where they are and who they are and where they're going? And then realize they've not really bought into where they're going. They say the name of Jesus. They call themselves a Christian. But they're not fully committed to going where he wants to take them. Because once you get fully committed to going where he's going to take you, the stuff in here is not all that important. Yeah, it's inconvenient. It's uncomfortable. Yeah, you wish it didn't happen. But I know where I'm going. Like a mom getting up at 2 in the morning to nurse that baby. It's not fun. And yet you know what you're doing. You've got a calling. And I realized that the, the, these people I was thinking about, they... They don't understand the calling. They think the gifts that they have received were for their own happiness and comfort and use. They're not. Their gifts are to be used for the kingdom. And until you realize your gifts are for the kingdom and not your personal happiness, you're going to keep wandering around in the desert trying to use them for yourself until you commit them to God. Let them be a part of the calling and be all about where you're going. No, life's not easy. You're probably not going to be happy a good chunk of it. So? Are you going anywhere? And is that good place you're going, is it so powerful and so wonderful that you're willing to walk through whatever it is you need to in between here and there to get there? That picture of the prodigal son, man. The most shocking thing is not that the dad gave him his inheritance early, which would be shocking, is when it says, And the father saw him a long way off and ran to meet him. Stay on the journey. The father is anticipating your arrival. And at that point, he can say to you, well done, good and faithful. You did great. You stayed on the journey. By the way, look behind you. There's a whole bunch of people coming too because you did. Hmm. This train's bound for glory. Be on it. Stay on it. It's the only way to live your life. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you. We thank you for loving us. Sometimes it is so tempting to get off. <laughs> to get off this journey. Have a cheat day. <laughs> a day where, like getting off a diet where we just step off to the side and do something else. Lord, there's always long-term consequences. But Lord, as we stay on this journey with you, as we continue to follow you, Lord, you not only grow us, you make the journey better and better, and you help us to impact others who can join the journey as well. Lord, give us the courage to get on board, to stay on board, and to trust you to take us where we need to go. Lord, frankly, there's nothing else. And Lord God, we thank you that we have that hope and that thing to anticipate that someday we will arrive in your presence, and it will all have been worth it. 
Lord, as the old song says, though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. Help us make that our theme song in the days to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. Thank you so much for being here. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We hope you enjoyed this message. And remember, we have live services on Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings in our West Auditorium. Or you can watch live online at scgchurch.org or on our YouTube and Facebook.